1: Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves. It's part of the battery power. Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a fantastic start to your Tuesday. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power podcast, the Road to Atlanta podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at Battery Power SBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button, and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at statssAC See on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. So, at least for me personally, it's hard to believe that the 2022 Thanksgiving holiday is literally two days away. Thanksgiving week is here. It seems like 2022 continues to fly by. But of course, when it comes to the baseball offseason, Excitement comes with the week of Thanksgiving because this really is the cusp. This really is kind of the starting point, the starting checkpoint of all baseball off-seasons, at least normal baseball off-seasons. That's what makes this offseason a bit more exciting than normal, in my opinion, because over the past couple of off-seasons, there's been limitations, right? You had the pandemic impacting, you know, the offseason season a few years ago. You had the lockout last year. It's nice, uh, you know, this year compared to a year ago, teams aren't having to scramble to make long-term signings as they're coming up against a deadline where they can't make, make moves for months like they did last year. So, it's nice to see a normal baseball offseason unfolding. And of course, in a normal baseball offseason, you may not necessarily see moves happen, you know, today, tomorrow, Thursday. But, you know, you get into the weekend after Thanksgiving and you get into the week after Thanksgiving and then you lead up to the winter meetings, which this year is is December 5th through the 8th, when the bulk of Uh, baseball offseason activity typically happens, over the next few weeks it should start to get exciting as teams start to make major moves to get ready for the 2023 regular season. But of course another aspect of every baseball offseason that happens right around Thanksgiving is the announcement of the following year's Hall of Fame ballot and Monday brought with it news of the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot. Of course, a significant part of this year's list of potential candidates is that you don't have, you know, if you want to call them uh, polarizing names, but obviously very significant names, you no longer have Roger Clemens. You no longer have Barry Bonds on the ballot. You do have a few newcomers in Carlos Beltran and K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez, but it's going to be interesting to see on this year's ballot, there, there really is no... Just clear-cut first ballot Hall of Famers. This class is going to be one of those where the main storylines are can players that have been on the ballot for years and that have seen their percentages inch closer and closer to that needed 75% threshold, how many of them can finally cross the line to be able to be inducted into Cooperstown? Scott Rowland, Todd Hilton, among others, are a few names that have been close, but have not, you know, they haven't necessarily, they haven't been right up against that 75% tile. But you could see Scott Rowland this year, for instance, make the move. I do think he's a Hall of Famer. You could finally see him make the move to finally earn a spot in Cooperstown. But, of course, for Braves fans, there also are a few notable names to watch that while they they may not necessarily get what they need to get this year. They could take another significant step to eventually find their way into Cooperstown. And of course, I'm talking about Billy Wagner and Andrew Jones. Last year, Billy Wagner, he earned 51% of the vote. Andrew Jones earned 41% of the vote. Now, in my opinion, both of them are clear-cut Hall of Famers. Um, I unfortunately think that when it comes to Andrew Jones, you're going to see him kind of go up against the same battle that Del Murphy did when it comes to Del Murphy's time on the ballot that never led to an opportunity. Though Del Murphy does have an opportunity, you know, through the contemporary era voting during the winter meetings, through the normal process, Del Murphy never got, you know, the love that I felt that he deserved. And I think Andrew Jones kind of is going against the same obstacles and that so much of the value of Andrew Jones' career was at the beginning of his career. Though I think the counter to that was the fact that it was not just offensively that Andrew Jones was so valuable? He's one of the best defensive center fielders of all time. That is a you know case. His resume is well known. I feel Andrew Jones will eventually get in, even if it may not be this year. But I do think that it's going to kind of be a slow burn, like what Dale Murphy dealt with. And though Murphy didn't eventually make it, hopefully he will. You know, in a few weeks you know, during the contemporary era voting during the winter meetings, but perhaps Andrew Jones can make a big leap this year and get close to where if it doesn't happen this year, maybe it happens in 2024 and 2025. But the other interesting narrative that I feel this year will begin a storyline that we'll see, you know, stuff added to over the next, you know, potential decade to 15 years is how are the voters, how is the Hall of Fame voting going to view some of the most prominent relievers of the past quarter century? Because we've seen Mariano Rivera, we've seen Trevor Hoffman get into the Hall of Fame. Both of them obviously were very deserving. But what about Francisco Rodriguez? Does he follow in the same path as Billy Wagner of it having to be a, a slow trek up that percentage ladder to get, to get where he wants to get? Now, Wagner has more career FWAR than Francisco Rodriguez, but K-Rod is fourth all-time in saves, which is a counting statistic likely is going to hold more merit for relievers or closers than it would for other players elsewhere because there's not that many counting statistics to impress people with when you're a closer because you just don't get that many innings. Saves is the one measuring stick. That really stands out when it comes to how successful a reliever was. Well, Francisco Rodriguez is fourth all-time in saves, but he's 20th in career FR among relievers. But I get to the point of saying that it's going to be interesting to see how the voting goes for Billy Wagner and if he eventually makes it. And then also for Francisco Rodriguez, and if he eventually makes it, because you've got a couple of other former relievers who probably in the next three to five years will be at the end of their careers, and then they'll eventually make their way on the Hall of Fame ballot. And both of those relievers happen to be former Braves. You've got Craig Kimbrell, who is in the top 10 of saves. He's also 11th all-time in f among relievers. He'll likely be in the top 10 of both saves and f among relievers in time by the end of his career. Kenley Jansen, already in the top 10 of saves, already in the top 10 of F-War among relievers, you've got two relievers who probably between them have three to five years left in their careers if that. So over the next what? seven, eight, nine to you know 12, 13, 14 years, you're going to see them be up for Hall of Fame voting. Could how, Billy Wagner has been handled so far, and if he eventually makes it, we see how the voting of Francisco Rodriguez may be. Could those be indicators of eventually Craig Kimbrell and Kinley Jansen making a run to the Hall of Fame? Maybe not that big of a storyline, but I think it's going to be an interesting one at the very least. So again, this year's Hall of Fame ballot... No clear-cut first-ballot Hall of Famer like, you know, we've seen with David Ortiz and Derek Jeter in recent years. But that, to me, makes the conversation even more interesting. Because now you've got players who have been trying for years to get into a Hall of Fame. This is one of their best shots that they have. Perhaps if Wagner or Jones don't make it this year, perhaps they make a big jump to where they can make it in latter years. And then, of course, With Wagner and Francisco Rodriguez, how their voting goes over the next few years, could that be an indicator of, you know, a decade down the line, what it looks like for Kenley Jansen as well as Craig Kimbrell? But of course, the Hall of Fame is going to be something to watch in the coming weeks as we see votes come in. There still is plenty of offseason moves for the Braves to make, and one area of the team that could be addressed though it may not necessarily be at the top of the list is the Braves outfield situation going into next season
0: hey this is Scott Galloway author professor entrepreneur and most importantly host of the Prop G podcast we got a special series running on right now called the future of work where I answer all your questions on surprise the future of work
1: what eventually happens at the shortstop position, especially if, you know, Dansby Swanson winds up signing somewhere else. I personally continue to believe that there's, you know, a better than, I think odds are better than half. I would put them at 60-40 that Dansby Swanson finds his way back to Atlanta. I just think the Braves are are willing to invest in him to a level that he's happy with. And I think obviously that there's remains interest on both sides for him to return to the Braves. Obviously other questions that are out there concern the Braves pitching staff. Could they add to their rotation? They've obviously focused on adding some cheap but intriguing options to their bullpen in Nick Anderson and Dennis Santana so far this offseason. Well the Braves have another potential need that is out there and that is outfield depth. Now of course we know the Braves already have, you know, theoretically, a, a starting outfield sign for 2023. Ronald Acuna Jr. and and Wright and Michael Harris, they're going to be there for years to come as one of the more dynamic outfield duos in baseball. And then Eddie Rosario is signed for $9 million in 2023. But of course, depth is something that the Braves have put an emphasis on when it comes to their outfield. Now, yes, they do have Marcelo Zuna signed for two more years, but of course, for reasons off the field, among other things, it one of the, you know, other things to watch for this offseason is could the Braves eventually move on from Marcelo Zuna? We know from the trade deadline that that is something that they have focused on already. It seems like there's a good chance they can move on from Ozuna, so he's probably not that big of a factor in plans in 2023 and beyond, which means that the Braves could use some more depth when it comes to their outfield. Now, a sensible approach with the fact that the Braves are starting two left-handed hitters you know, in their outfield already, uh, a sensible approach would be re-signing Adam Duvall who season ended with a a wrist injury, you know, nearly halfway through it last year. And, of course, Duvall struggled mightily for much of the time that he played in 2022, a steep drop-off from how productive he was in 2021. But the thing that I'm getting at is with Duvall being an option, I think it's more of the profile that Duvall offers that the Braves are going to be focused on than maybe Duvall himself and, and himself, and with that profile specifically, which I'll get into in just a moment, that profile specifically that the Braves should be looking to add to their outfield, that probably excludes, you know, some of the more popular outfield additions that the Braves could go and look for that, that many teams have interest in. What I'm getting at is this, is that with Ronald Acuna Jr. and Wright, Michael Harrison Center and Eddie Rosario in left. You have a good unit to start against right-handers, especially if Eddie Rosario can return to previous form. Now he's still over the past few years outside of his historic and you know heroic postseason run during the 2022 postseason. He still has left a lot to be desired when it comes to his production against right-handers, but he's done enough in the past. To where the Braves go into 2023 with Rosario and hopefully a healthy Rosario because we know that he had his eye surgery uh, that was supposed to help him out at the plate in 2022. If a healthy Eddie Rosario is ready to go in left field for 2023, you could do a lot worse than that. So I think the Braves are probably okay with Rosario being their strong side of a platoon, their option against right-handers. As their left fielder, I think they're fine with that going into 2023. But with that being said, when you have Ronald Acuna Jr. batting right-handed in right field, and then Michael Harris and Eddie Rosario in center and left, you're fine with those hitters against right-handed pitchers, and you're also okay with that defensive alignment because you know that you have Gold Glove potential in center fielder Michael Harris, a more than capable fielder with a great arm in Ronald Acuna Jr., and Eddie Rosario, though he's not necessarily a strong fielder, he at the very least can hold the fort down while he's playing, especially if he can provide good offensive value. The point that I have then is with that type of skill set as the starters already in place for the Braves... Popular targets like Cody Bellinger, maybe Michael Conforto, I know Braves fans potentially like the idea of a reunion with Jason Hayward. If the Braves were to sign one of those options, I don't think anybody really has an issue with it, but I don't necessarily know if those options are the most sensible for the Braves to go after. Those profiles are the most sensible for the Braves to go after with what they've already got in place. In Hayward and Bellinger, you've got outfielders whose value right now is more in their defensive ability than their offensive ability. And then, when it comes to their offensive ability, it's more what they can do against right-handers, which, you're, which the Braves outfield already is, is pretty much set at. What the Braves need is they need another right hander or a right-handed batter that could do well against left-handers and also can play good in the outfield when needed. That's why they went after Robbie Grossman last year's trade deadline because of how well he did against left-handers. Because as awesome as Michael Harris is, and they make make no mistake, I find it very unlikely that the Braves are going to, you know, start a platoon, you know, in 2023 with Michael Harris. But in 135 plate appearances last year, Michael Harris had only a 649 OPS against left-handers. In 33 at-bats, Eddie Rosario had less than a 500 OPS. So while it may make sense, while it may you know seem like that a, that a Cody Bellinger or a Jason Hayward or a Michael Conforto, while it may seem like those players could fit what the Braves need when it comes to outfield depth, their profiles may not be the most sensible Sensible for what the Braves actually need, which is a platoon partner, especially for Eddie Rosario, that can hit well against left-handers. And I know that the Braves in general do very well against left-handers. They have over the past few years, but the Braves thrived last year with the bottom of their order being incredibly productive, especially after July. The Braves know how important it is to have as much depth in their lineup. I think it's going to make sense for them to want to go get an outfield option that can really produce against left-handers, plus also plays, play at least reasonable defense, you know, at the very least as a platoon partner for Eddie Rosario. There are many teams that are going to be interested in Cody Bellinger. There are likely many teams that are going to be interested in some of these one-year options, you know, these options of players who probably make sense to sign on a one-year deal to see if they can make the most of it and next year get a multi-year deal. Also, though he may not necessarily pan out, I'm not putting a lot of faith that he will, but don't forget that the Braves have also already made a move for Sam Dillard, a player from the... Sam Hilliard, excuse me, Sam Hilliard, uh, an outfielder from the Rockies who it seems the Braves feel they may be able to extract value from. Now, again, I think that Hilliard is more on the level of what the Braves were viewing Alex Dickerson as to start the 2022 season, but he already is another left-handed outfielder that will be in camp to start spring training. So when it comes to potential additions for the Braves, I do think they're going to make at least a relevant move to add to their outfield depth. But I think it's more of a right-handed, hit-strongly-against-left-handed-pitching decent defender than it is a left-handed batter who offers good defensive value, at least some intriguing upside offensively, but that up, that upside is against right-handers. And for me, that makes it less likely that the Braves go out and sign a Cody Bellinger or a Jason Hayward or Michael Conforto, what have you. Those Though those players could make sense. And at the end of the day, if the Braves do sign one of them, you're, you don't hate it. You don't have really any negativity, especially on a one-year deal. I just don't know if those type of players have the profiles that the Braves are looking for when what they really need is a productive outfield bat that can hit well against left-handers and be an option you know, to, to platoon in situations with Eddie Rosario or maybe every now and then even Michael Harris. Just going to be interesting to see what the Braves do. I imagine that we'll see a move or two at least over the next month. Don't necessarily know if a major move will happen, but if it does, stay tuned here to the Battery Power Podcast Network for the latest. Of course, you can find the Battery Power Podcast, the Road to Atlanta Podcast, the podcast to be named later, and... Um, The Daily Hammer, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button, and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, thanks so much for listening to The Daily Hammer. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast Network.